Out From Work Podcast. My name's Dave Swillam. Let's get ready to hustle. Welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. You're listening to episode 82 tonight of the podcast. And tonight, I mean, last last episode, if you got to take a look, that was Jonathan Hilleman running back for NFL and rapper and photographer. That was kind of a cool one. We got to talk through what's he what he's up to with that mix. This one, I always kind of, after I do a couple of guests now, I like to take a step back and do something like more inward or more personal or something like that. And Meg and I, which I'll introduce in a second if you don't know her, have uh, recently been talking and kind of like reminiscing and going back through like the amount of things that have happened in our life in this amount of time. And so for those of you that have followed along, episode 22, we actually had my wife Megan on here. So my guest tonight being Megan Swillam again, the famous, incredible, <laughs> don't look at me that way. <laughs> You're just like bubbling up. <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with that. On episode 22, <laughs> we had my wife Megan on to talk about getting into vet school, moving across the country and renovating a place to make it so that she had a spot to live at that made financial sense and living like a long-term relationship for a year, which really sucked. And long distance. Totally sucked. What'd I say? Term. Long term. Married is long term. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, we we are still in a long term relationship. It was just a <laughs> long distance. We're, we're in a long term relationship now, but we're in a long but we were in a long distance long term. Exactly. Relationship. Exactly. So <laughs> episode twenty two we had her on to talk about all that kind of disruption that happened in our life to accommodate that. And right now I've got her sitting in this new place that we bought to work on towards the next steps of what we're after here in the greater Portland, Maine area, which is not in the four-year vet program in Tennessee. No. Is it? No, it's not. Right. So (laughs) a lot of stuff's changed and and, uh, there's a lot of things that I think that we can share from the pivot that Meg made recently. And uh, we share bits and pieces on here, but I think it's important to get like kind of the whole take of why are we making all these changes? Like what went into those decisions and like, how can that help people in like the creative community and the entrepreneur community? Mm -hmm. So do you want to tell, for those of you that didn't listen to episode 22, definitely worth checking out to hit both viewpoints on it. But do you want to run through like who are you and like, what are you up to right now? Like, what were you doing? Sure. So I guess I'll start back in undergrad. Decided to become, go the vet route, the vet school route and probably about my junior year of undergrad. And during that time in the last couple of years while I was there, I kind of rushed through and, and kicked ass to try and get all the credentials that I needed to be able to qualify for vet school. Because even that was like halfway through. And then like, I remember you telling me like, hey, I want to go do this completely other thing. And yeah. I, halfway through college, which was totally fine. But mm-hmm. like at the time, it, that even felt like, holy crap, you're changing things up a ton. 
Yeah, so I guess that's a, a bit of a trend that I'm seeing unfolding for me. Yeah, I would. I, no more change, I guess, like that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so I was decided to be a pre-vet major, crushed it through the rest of undergrad. And then when I graduated undergrad, I was dirt broke. I had absolutely no money. Yep. Like fishing the change out of the couch cushions to get gas money to get home poor. Yep. So I couldn't even contemplate taking the GRE or doing any of the applications because I think it cost a lot, nearly $2,000 to apply for just one round Yeah, between the GRE and all that. So I did not have that kind of money as a fresh college graduate. To apply to get into the vet schools itself? Yeah. All the applications to get into this vet school because it's hard to get into vet school, literally every single application costs like $200 or $300. Pretty much, And yeah. you had to apply to a bunch of them to try to get in in one round. Yeah. Which we found out was not what we expected, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I knew it would be expensive, but I didn't think it got up that quick. Yeah. Before applying to vet schools because I had no money. Mm-hmm. So I got a job for the biotech industry in Boston and just kind of slaved away working whatever shifts I had, um, including overnight shifts. And then finally just decided to try to apply to vet school to see if I could get in to give my past self some credit where credit was due. So at this point in the game, guys, in terms of timeline, Meg and I have both been like jumping into jobs that we got to like make the most amount of money possible in the shortest amount of time, like after we got out of school. And at this point, we're probably about three years in, I'd say, of working. Yeah. To just try to get caught up, to get any money in the bank. Yeah. To try to afford like getting out of parents' houses and stuff like that. And now we're we're probably both at a point where we're both like very fried being like, Mm -hmm. I can't do this anymore. And I don't like the way that this is heading right now. Yeah. So then I tried to apply to vet school and I got in. But the only school I got accepted to was in very rural Tennessee. So that meant doing the long distance relationship as Dave alluded to. Yep. And yeah, that's kind of the background before we get into the the vet school and the why. Let's get into it. So okay. Meg Meg finished one full year of vet school. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. And then I remember I didn't find out that you were thinking to change things up until COVID hit, right? Or I did know before then. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that you I made it. Just I don't. I think that like you had said sometimes, like, "Hey, I think that I might not want to do this." No, no, I never flat out said that pre-COVID. That whole thing of like we do our first year of vet school, really hard to get into vet school entirely. We've changed things entirely. We've changed our way of life. We do the whole year one of vet school on a four-year program, and now we're like, you know what? We're gonna change it up. Mm-hmm. Basically. Yep. Right. So yep. I, I don't even, I think we were just talking. I don't even remember when you told me really. I know that we came to the decision during COVID times because it was before you started your next year. I think it was like two or three months before it, really. Yeah. It was during the summer that yeah. I actually made the decision, talked about it out loud. Yeah. Um, but it was something that was weighing heavily on me probably since week one of starting vet school. Wow. Yeah. Or maybe week two, but pretty, pretty early in, it was weighing on me. How did you know that early? Um, well, it was not so much that I knew it was just more so like 
is this right for me? Is this really the path? Yeah. Um, and I kind of questioned it, like I said, the whole way through. Yeah. So essentially, you know, um, as I was aware, but not so aware as, as to living it and, and actually um, experiencing it. But vet school is a, is a miserable process. It is just absolutely horrible and um, it's not enjoyable. So I was very depressed and felt very miserable the whole time I was there. Yeah. Um, and I knew I could suffer through that if the light at the end of the tunnel was, was it, worth it. Was what you wanted. Yeah. But I never really knew if it was. And I just kind of throughout time just started thinking about what other things could be worth it that I didn't need to make this much suffering for. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where it led to here in a very short version of it. Okay. Well, what about the long one? I mean, like <laughs> that's what we're talking about tonight. Like what more do you want to know? I mean, for people out there that might be in some type of commitment, like, just to walk you through what Meg had to think through here, it was like we sold our house. I was in a situation where I was living with roommates and things, and I was not happy. Like I was pretty miserable working my job to support us, a job that I didn't like, and living in a smaller, really cramped up, shitty place. No offense, love you roommates, but just wasn't the space for me. And you know, I was unhappy. You were unhappy. Yep. We're both working for this, like both gave up a lot to do it. Mm-hmm. And then, it, I mean, it's a hard decision to to sacrifice all those things, to disrupt all that, to change all that. And then be like, I don't want to do it. I think that there have to be people out there that are in situations like that too, that it's really, it's not an easy decision thing to say. And it's not like an easy thing, I think, to say to your partner or your family or anyone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Like um, what went into the decision? What went into the things that you were thinking or facing? Yeah. So, I mean, as I, as I said, I was very miserable there. Um, and I kind of realized over time that it was the most miserable that I've been in my entire life. Um, every job that I've had that I thought that I was miserable in seemed like a happy time in my life compared to that. Mm. Not to be a super, super downer on this podcast because it's typically an uplifting podcast, but like that was the reality of the situation. We talked through some shit. I had a counselor there because the school had one for free and I was trying to do all of the things to, you know, maintain a well rounded and and my wellness and, and my mental well being and all that. Yep. So I had a counselor and she was great. Um, and actually the first guy I met with, he got too busy. So I had to meet with another one, but the the first week it was like, well, do you actually want to be here? (laughs) I was like, well, I don't know. Don't put me on the spot like that. (laughs) And then what made him ask that? Just what I was talking about that. I was just miserable there. Um, and obviously I didn't want to like let you in on all of that 
darkness in my life because you were also going through a pretty dark phase. And and I kind of let you in a little bit, like you knew that it wasn't sunshine and rainbows for me, but I didn't want you to know just how bad it was because you were also probably doing the same for yourself. Mm-hmm. And we needed to talk about happy things when we were on the phone because that was the one moment of happiness in the day. Yeah. Um, and then I wrote a lot of good music on it though. Yeah. That's what I did. I just went and wrote music. I did a lot of music. I just studied a lot of things. Yeah. Just made a lot of note cards and reviewed a lot of note cards and cried a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Does sound fun. It was so fun. <laughs> so fun. I so miss it. Um, and then, you know, I, I also struggled a lot academically because um, I was never like that type of student where I could just roll out of bed, never study for an exam and walk in and get a hundred on mm-hmm. it. And that's what a lot of the vet students are in undergrad is they never had to study and then they just got the grades that they got and then that's how they were accepted into vet school. Not everyone. I know that there is a lot of people who did have to like try like I did, but Mm -hmm. the vast majority don't have to. And then vet school is the first time that they do have to try. Right. And that's the typical transition is like, oh shit. Like I can't just show up to an exam. I have to try to take this exam. Whereas for me, I already had really good study habits. I just then had to make them a thousand fold better. And I couldn't do that with the workload. Right. For certain subjects. So I um, changed my study routines like a bunch. Tried all of the different things under the sun. I tried not cramming too much. I tried cramming more. I I tried, you know, making study guides over flashcards. I tried doing both. I tried divvying up my time more. And with anatomy in particular, you know, I would kill myself to take these exams. I would give my everything to it. And then still would either just barely pass or fail every single test. And it got to a point where I failed the first semester anatomy by, I think it was 1%. Like if I had gotten two more questions right, then I would have passed in the entire course. I remember that. And that was like a blow because it was like, well... Why did I try so hard? I could have just not tried and had the same result. Yeah. So then I had to remediate it over the summer. And then COVID was, you know, kind of a blessing in disguise for me. You know, I I think I know a lot of people have, you know, gone through a lot of hardships with COVID times and all that. And, you know, I definitely feel for those people. But I do think that there's a, a large portion of the population that's also benefited from these lockdowns and these quarantines. Of course. We've talked about it a bunch on the yeah. podcast too. And I don't think that it's, I don't think that it's a bad thing to talk about the positive things yeah. in those situations. It's just being aware that people are, that there are people that are not exactly there are not benefiting yeah. too, you know, Yeah, but you're allowed to say the good things that are coming out of a bad situation. I feel like even if people are suffering, just acknowledging and understanding that exactly. they suffer is, yeah. is, I mean, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Go tell the truth. So during COVID, um, when, you know, things were starting to shut down, um, actually the week prior to the school closing down, um, I had met with my counselor again and straight up told her, like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Like, I don't know if this is for me. 
I really don't know if I can keep this going. Um, I just don't know if this is the path for me. And I actually had it on my to-do list for Monday um, to contact the career services person to see what other career path I could take mm. besides vet school. And I don't think I told you that yet. Or maybe I did. I, can't. I think I didn't know. But like, it still wasn't like, yes, I'm quitting vet school, but it was like, let's just explore other options. Like maybe there is something else out there that makes me happy that I don't need to suffer through this much for. Yeah. And then on Friday, the school closed. <laughs> so then I never met with the career counselor. Oh, you never had that conversation? No, I never. No, because the school shut down. Wow. So that's like basically fate. Yeah. So I was like, okay, like this is a sign that I'm supposed to stay here because I never got to meet with the counselor to okay. discuss my alternatives. Yep. And then, so at the time when we shut down, I was once again struggling with my second semester of anatomy. Pretty hard. Pretty much no improvement. I mean, I didn't completely bomb the first exam. So like I didn't have a huge hill to climb, but it was a pretty, I could never improve my tests. I just couldn't get my grades up. They would not, I could not get a 70 to save my life. And below a 70 is failing. There's no D, it's C and then F in vet school. Um, So then we went home we got sent home for covid and we actually had an anatomy exam that following monday that we were supposed to take and they closed the labs down so we weren't able to study so then the um students kind of like got really pissed off because you need to go in the lab to study on the cadavers right or else like you fail because half of the exam is on the cadavers. There's an entire, there's two exams. Cadavers is dead animals. Yes. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I think at the time it was a goat. No, it was a cow. Still disgusting. Still when we were on these tours, I didn't finish all the tours because they wanted to show me dead animals hanging from things. Yeah. You get used to it. You get used to it. Things in tanks. Like it's literally like a horror movie out of that school. If you're not a vet student, it is a horror movie. You will have 100%. nightmares about like what happens. There's just floating animals. Yeah. That Meg would talk to me about at dinner time. Like it was a, like a great thing and it's an awful thing. Well, I mean, if you spend eight hours a day dealing with that, then it just becomes normal. It's no, <laughs> no, doesn't become normal. It doesn't become normal. Yeah. But So they closed the labs down. So then the students got pissed because we weren't able to study, which meant inevitably we were all going to fail the exams. So then they just postponed that exam for after we came back from quarantine, which was only supposed to be two weeks. Right. They wanted us to come back from spring break, which made no sense whatsoever. Send us all to wherever the hell we're going in the country and then I'll come back to one isolated area. Which we know is good for COVID. Which is great. And this is also like a school that taught us epidemiology. Like I was taking an epidemiology course at the time of this. So like I knew exactly how wrong everything they were doing was. I was like, you made us too smart for this situation. But that's just neither here nor there. That's just a COVID rant. That's funny though. Yeah. (laughs) Like you, one of your professors, like literally, was giving you information. Was like, "This is not good." Yeah, what's happening is not good, and we're not doing good things. Right yeah, <laughs> and they gathered everyone from the school, all 
all four classes and all professors and all faculty into one room to tell us to not gather in groups. And we all just kind of like looked around and we're like, the Wait. fuck are you talking about? Like you just made us do this. This is a mandatory meeting that we could have done online. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we got sent home. We're still studying for these exams. Things are going crazy. Uh, then all of a sudden, like I think a few days before our first exam block, they just decided to make all exams completely open note, completely open note, open book for the rest of the semester that we were online. F it. Which like, that's insane. Like, I don't think any other vet school did that. And there was no reason in for them to do that. Degree. But they did. And I preferred that because one that allowed me to not fail anatomy, which is pretty dope. Yep. And then two, like it gave me time to actually learn the material versus forcing the information into my brain just to regurgitate it on an exam. Right. Whereas most of my friends just decided to use it as an extended vacation and not study at all and not look over any material at all. I was too bored to do that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so then finished the COVID semester, which I liked a lot because I prefer online courses anyway. Um, And then I had to start my summer remediation, which is when you retake my first semester of of anatomy because I failed the first semester. And that wasn't open note because it was with everyone who had failed. (laughs) So they're not going to let you use open notes if you already weren't good enough to pass the class the first time. Yep. And that's all I had to do was just study for that one test. And there's only two tests on all of the material. Um, So you studied for like half of the first semester for one exam and then the second half for the next exam. And um, I studied my ass off like every single day eight to ten hours a day I studied for that exam and like not just like and I did it in like the right way that you're supposed to where you not only make your flashcards but then you review flashcards every single day and then you build on what you're reviewing and you build your knowledge base and all that and I did that because I had the time to which I don't have the time to do that in vet school. You know, you only have a few days to study for an exam. Yeah. And I fucking got a 70 or something like that. I forget. Which, yes, that's passing. Like, I know people always get up my back when I say that I got a 70, um, which is passing. And I'm totally fine with passing, but not when that's my entire job and I deserved an A. I earned an A, I deserved an A, but I got a 70. The hardest and the most that you have to give, like with everything with in your everything body. With everything I had in my body, all that, that I could do. you just don't get the full reward. reward of it. And it was just like everything from pre-COVID times of like the, just the heartache of trying and throwing everything that I have into something and getting zero reward yep. and being told that you're not good enough. Time and time and time again. When I know that I am good enough, I know I'm trying harder than a lot of my peers. 
and I know that I'm smarter than a lot of my peers, but like, I'm just not like an amazing test taker or I can't remember every little goddamn thing because it doesn't matter. It wasn't reflecting in, in my test grades and not, and like, I'm totally fine with not being a straight A student. I'm fine with being a 70, like coasting. Yeah. Like just get degrees results, but like I couldn't, I took that test and I felt great. Well, actually, no, I don't think I felt great about it. I forget. But anyway, took the test, got the results back and I was just crushed because everything from pre COVID times and being sent home just came crashing back to me of like, I can't do all. I just kept saying in my head is I can't do this anymore. I can't keep having this happen to me. I can't keep having to throw my heart and my soul and just everything into one exam to come out on the other end failing. Like I can't keep doing that. Yeah. It's, it's killing me to do that. And you know, I just really like sat down for a while and I just, I couldn't start. I needed to start studying immediately for the next exam if I was going to keep doing this. And I just couldn't, I could not bring myself to study for it because I just felt like such shit. Just, such a deep state of depression and I just kind of started thinking about like what else through this time has made me happy like has there been anything else throughout all of this experience in my life and through this misery that has been a glimmer of hope like has there been anything that's made me excited yeah and that's when I really started to explore and like think about like what else could I do if I can't keep doing this then what else is there? And um, that's when I kind of put two and two together that like, I didn't enjoy a single class I was taking. I didn't like any of them. And beyond the fact that they were hard um, and that I wasn't doing good in them, but more so the fact that like... The class itself. The class itself. The topic was just like, oh my God, I don't care how the lungs work. I just don't care. Yeah. You know, I don't care what this nerve is called. It doesn't matter to me. But what I did get excited for was I joined the VBMA club, which is the veterinary business management club. And every single meeting that we had, I would be the only one who had like my notebook out and like taking notes like feverishly, feverishly said that terribly. Mm. But I was just like scribbling down notes and I was really excited. And like, this was after, you know, eight hours of classes, you do that. So I'm exhausted going into it. But then once physically, physically and mentally, I'm just like drained. And then I have to study after this. But, you know, they would start talking about profit and loss statements and everyone else would be glazing over because it's so uh, dry and boring. And I was like, ooh, like how can we get a better one? Love me a profit and loss statement. Love me a juicy little profit and loss statement. Yeah, yeah. I, I was though. I was like, yes, like this is cool. Like I can, you know, I can see the numbers. I can see how like, you know, if we change these few things and it could be better or like, you know, like how can we make you know, other problems in the veterinary industry go away from like little things like scheduling and the works. Cause even outside of the vet school, the veterinary industry is just riddled with issues as well, along with many other industries, but especially in the vet industry, it's just not doing great right now. 
Yep. I was just really excited about all of that. But I, I always pictured myself running a vet hospital. But every time I envisioned myself, I never pictured myself in a lab coat, Practicing. gloves on, giving injections to a cat or spaying a dog. I never pictured any of those things. I pictured me being the boss and being in charge of people. And that's how I always pictured myself. Right. And I just kind of realized I don't need a vet degree to be a boss. I could just. You need a vet degree to be a boss of a vet. Of a vet. Clinic. Clinic. You, at least in the state of New Hampshire. In New Hampshire. You need to have a DMV to be an owner. Which is kind of crazy because being good at the medicine doesn't mean that you're no. a good owner, which you found out from working at places. Yes. Yes. And seeing people run businesses. Which is why the industry is really suffering right now (laughs) because it's all owned by people who are vets and they're, they're, you're not trained to be a business owner in vet school. You're trained to be a doctor in vet school as one would imagine. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where it led to was just I realized that I needed to start thinking about what else would make me happy besides this. And I love animals, which is why I decided to go down the vet route. But like, maybe I don't need to work with animals to be happy. You know, like maybe I could just do something else and just have animals to come home to. Right. Like enjoy the good part of them because animals don't like you if you're a vet. They hate you. They hate vets. I mean. True. Like ours do. Like ours do. Well, Harry doesn't. Harry loves them. Harry loves everyone though. Uh, That's a cheat. That doesn't count. It doesn't. Charles hates everyone though, so that's also like a if Harold was being murdered, he would like slightly love the murderer. Probably, yeah, yeah. Harold's the cat, by the way. For people who don't know, he's legendary. True. So yeah, I mean that's the longer version of the story. Yeah, but I think that that was important because it talks through how you made that decision, and it's like the whole beginning of it stems from you being like i want to own a vet practice yeah and you're like how do i own a vet practice and the way that you own a vet practice is you have to have that degree yeah so you went and got that degree then when you're there that's when you just realize that the part of all of that vision that you liked that piece that you wanted was the business owning part of it but it didn't have to have the other part of it but you wouldn't have known that unless you did that yeah Unfortunately, like, unfortunately, like debt wise for us, like we yeah. have a year of that school that we're going to pay for. It's not yeah. getting us anywhere. Yep. But the way that I look at it in a positive light now is that we essentially paid for you to get to that next spot because you yeah. wouldn't have made that decision. I don't think unless you did that. No, you definitely I mean? not. Yeah. So, and so, also like that did weigh into the decision was I was like, then it got to a point where I was seriously contemplating like other avenues and um, whether or not this was right for me. And I was just kind of thinking, I was like, is this worth an additional $50,000? Is this investment? We've already taken out $50,000 in student loans for just one year. Is it worth me trying for another year? Is it worth a hundred thousand dollars of debt or not? And I was like, no, like I'm seriously, if I'm considering it this much that I don't want to do it, then no, it's not worth a hundred thousand dollars. 
that did weigh into the decision too of like that's a lot of freaking money ton of money that's a ton of money like pre-interest like you're just taking out fifty thousand dollars it's a lot um and i just you know didn't seem worth it at that point if i really didn't want to go back that much yeah then it's not worth it and then yeah so i started brainstorming other ideas and something that kept coming up time and time again that I realized that I would do to just kind of like de-stress or kill some time or to just take my brain out of it a bit or or solve a problem that wasn't medicine related was I would design spaces. I would Mm. design tiny homes. I have like folders upon folders in my iPad of me just hand drying out tiny home designs. Yes, you do. Um, and my Pinterest is only houses and like floor plans and all that. And I just kind of realized that the thing that does also bring me joy that I could do is be an interior designer, essentially, but only for me and, and keep buying rental property, keep buying properties and convert them into these really cute uh, Airbnb Instagrammable places to rent out and do like a vacation home rental situation. Right. Um, And that that spark also came from when we were flipping the house in Tennessee. I absolutely hated that house when we bought it. Made that very clear. Yes, you did. I still make it clear. I hated that house. It was so ugly. (laughs) Um, I won that. I won that battle. He won that battle, and I'm happy that he did because now I love it. Now it's a super cute and super adorable little ranch. So, for those that don't know the process on that, we flew down to Tennessee. We toured 11 to 12 properties in a day, and then went back home in like a day, and then made the decision of what property we were going to buy on an airplane. And it was yeah. the ugliest, fuggliest one. Oh, so bad. But it, but the price point was the best the low market by about fifty thousand dollars yeah and it was almost only because of the photos being taken poorly sorry to that if you hear this realtor out there but like you just you need to know you kind of did that yeah and um, (laughs) but like meg hated the house hated it hated it and it took a lot of convincing to get her to be on board with it but we're very happy with it now and obviously like that ended up working out yeah but through that process i mean we had to do that process just to get an affordable place to live down there for her in that environment so that was all just like happenstance that happened just out of what we were up to yeah yeah and then um you know i mean it it was hell doing that reno but i mean it was also hell doing that reno because we only gave ourselves like a month yeah, to, to do an entire house and only two weeks with me and only two weeks with you. Um, so it wasn't great. And like, I was literally up till like 4am the night before my roommate, who was our tenant moved in finishing painting because there was still painting projects that weren't done. Yep. Um, so I mean the reno was hell, but like, you said you would never do one again. Do you remember that? I said I would never do one with a month again. Okay. That's what I said. You keep bringing this up. And it, it was felt like you were never one to do one again. Period. No, no. It was the timeline was just so unrealistic. It was, and we didn't have awful. a chance to make it longer. It was awful. Because I, school started. 
Like yeah. there, there was no. But we crushed it. We did. Of that. We got it done. Yeah. I mean, what is that law? I forget what it was. It Pavlov's law or some shit like that. Or oh. like you give you however much time. Park is, Parkinson's law. I have no idea. Shit, you guys are gonna fry me out there. I've totally said it on this podcast yeah. too. Yeah, the law of like if you will allot however much time you are given to the task. Yeah. So if you allot less time, you will still you will get the still task get it done, done because it still needs to get done. You have to. Yeah, you have no other choice. Yeah. So that's what it was. I had no other choice, so I had to get it done, and it probably didn't help with my first week of vet school being that level of stress going into it. That didn't help. Didn't help. But also, I still think that vet school alone would have pushed me over the edge. But definitely was a bad way of starting vet school. <laughs> so so what what are you up to now? Like, what are you trying to do now? Like, what was the decision of leaving vet school to do? So, I mean, I kind of alluded to it of, well, right now, because we just took on so much debt from me going to vet school. Yep. And now this massive project that we are starting to embark on with this house that we just purchased, um, I need a steady stream of income. Um, so now I'm getting going back to biotech, not in Boston though, in Portland. Um, and it seems like a good company, so hopefully I won't be slaving away. But yeah, so so I'm going back to the to your day job, which is exactly what this podcast is not about. I mean, I've had a day job this entire pot. Well, and that's not true. For two months, I did not have this. Yeah. I've had a day job for most of this podcast. Yeah. But I'm going back to it. I left mine for the dream. For the dream. And now, and then I abandoned the dream and now I'm going back to it. But you're going back to it for, for a reason. A dream. Yeah. And also, that's kind of why we're doing this episode is because, like, it's not a clear linear path to do the shit that you want to do. No. Sometimes you have to take a risk and do something and blow shit up and then realize that that's not the something and then change it. Yeah. Sometimes you might take a risk and go out and do your thing and then have to come back to your day job. Like stuff just happens in this game that it's, it's not like a clean path. No. You know? No. Life is not pretty most times. Yeah. It's kind of nuts. It's kind of crazy. So what are you up to now? So, yeah. So now that. I just got a day job. I start on Monday. So it'll be nice to have two paychecks again instead of one. Hell yeah. Thank God. I'm going to slowly build. Well, I mean, I guess step one, because this was another thing that hurt me about going back to vet school is I really have been very conscientious about taking out debt and we were on the path to paying off debt and we already paid off several loans before. that school happened and then I kind of had to put the entire debt snowball um, on pause to to go to vet school and take out even more loans so then it just kind of completely negated all the work that we had done so I really want to like get our debt under control especially with vet school loans just try and chip away slowly at all those things just to make my mental clarity a little bit better but also in the meantime of working on that and this house, I want to start to essentially build an empire. And we still, we kept the house in Tennessee. It's rented out to two students. Got to find a third for next year. But as I was supposed to be living in it, we only could house two. Yep. Um, so next year we're going to get a third person in there and it's going to be at full capacity and it's going to be cranking out money. Yep. And we have systems in place we have now systems you worked in place. to make a lot of those systems. Yeah. Once I decided not to go to vets to, to 
stop going to vet school. I spent most of quarantine getting all of the documents in place and getting everything in order. So that way we have systems in place to prevent issues with long-term, long-distance rentals. Now you got me all tripped up saying long-term, long-term, long-term rentals. Um, Yeah. And then, um, you know, start to build, I ideally like what makes me more excited is short-term vacation rentals because I've always kind of just, I don't know if I've romanticized the idea of it or not, but I just, I love Airbnb and I always find that lifestyle to be pretty cool to just keep buying and fixing up these rundown cottages or whatnot and turning them into something super cute that people just come and and escape and get away from. And it seems much, I mean, it's probably not much easier, but from the outside looking in, it seems simpler than a long-term rental because you don't have to deal with evictions or anything like that. They're only there for a week and you have their credit card number on file. If anything goes wrong, I'm sure there's going to be issues that pop up along the way. Definitely. But to me, that's more exciting. And then we have a bunch of vacation homes that we can use as we go. That's kind of the route. So you come like you do the renovation project down south and you're like, okay, I see what this can do. Yeah. Like the impact. Yeah. And then you realize the piece of what you are up to that you're in love with is the business portion of it. And then you basically say like, I'm not drawing energy from this, but I draw energy from these things. So like, I'm going to lean into that and go that way. Mm -hmm. And so like, what's like, what's the plan now is basically to work short-term rentals and that will be your thing. Yeah. I mean, probably a combo of short-term and long-term rentals. Yep. Um, So we have some stability of the long-term rentals. So that way during these, booms and busts of the seasonal, we have income coming in. Yep. But then if we realize that the Airbnb game is where it's at, then just, you know, kind of go with where the market's calling us. Right. Because it depends. Depends. Like, you know, through, through COVID, you know, Airbnb died for like a month, but then it can't, came back hotter than ever because yeah. people wanted to work remote who lived in Boston or New York or Chicago or LA or whatever. Mm-hmm. could work remote and wanted to live outside the city, but didn't have time or an ability in the market to navigate it. We're booking Airbnbs for months. Yeah. You know, like our, our, our friend Hillary Lane from one of the other episodes, you can check her out. She's doing great with Airbnb yeah. right now. People want to like book it and like hang there. Yeah. And, but you also see short-term rental rentals sometimes die in different times where they're not as reliable, but like I would say that like our plan with this stuff is to always get things that we have the ability to maneuver do the both. field that way, yeah. you know, be able to be more flexible in what we do. Um, so this property that we just purchased, um, accidentally kind of is going to become an Airbnb. I mean, we were, this in, is almost the start of that really. It, it is. Yeah. This is kind of kicking off both of our, our careers here is um, we we knew we wanted to buy a property that would cover our overhead, yep. you know, house hack it. So we bought this place with um, that has, and you'll find out if you want to find out way more about this, then you should tune into our YouTube series. It's starting up. Starting up soon. That'll be out on social. I'll definitely show you guys the link to that to check it out. But 
Meg and I together are going to be starting a YouTube series called Wake Up Properties that's going to document way further into this process than I can go on to on this podcast because I've got so many cool guests and people to hang with on here that I'm not going to talk about what we're doing all day. But I do want to show you what we're up to with the things that we're up to because I want to share that whole process with you all the way. So yeah, yeah, that's and it's come very out soon. visual. As and it it's is kind of a visual thing, yeah. To oh. see like a club that someone made and left on the property, mm. or to see you like run from mice with your hands up. I wish I got video. If you so like you're on a roller coaster, I wish I had a video. Um, or like to see how many bathtubs we have in our yard. Yeah. Or, Not in the house, in the yard. We have none in the house. We had more in our yard than we did in our house. Correct. And a cat drinking from one. Yeah. That lives here. But anyway, so this property that we purchased, we chose to not because of the, the yard bathtubs, but be- well, I mean, that was an added that bonus. That was a factor. It was an added bonus. For me bonus. to be able to wash myself outside and expose myself to the neighbors was a plus. Yes. But the real reason why we <laughs> bought it is because it is a 1850s farmhouse um, that has a, obviously, a farmhouse. And then it also has a lofted one-bedroom apartment. Not finished yet. Not finished, but we will be finishing. And it's very well on the way. It already has a full kitchen and everything. Um, but it's very close to being done. It's just missing a bathroom, which is kind of important. Once again, I don't know why all the bathroom supplies are outside. But, you know, the apartment's missing a bathroom. So we're adding that. Yep. Um, but essentially, this place had... The three things that we were looking for in that it had a place where we could rent out a section, we could live in a section, and you could have a studio in a section. Right. Um, so now this property is a much bigger uh, renovation than Tennessee, like substantially. Like four times the amount. Like besides just the square footage, just the, the scope of the work and the amount of other things that we need to do is, is way more. Um, freaking out. Yeah. Freaking out a bit. Freaking out a bit. But we got it. But we got it. So that's kind of where, you know, it's going is that's, that's kind of the plan now is to keep slowly accumulating these rental properties, um, whether it be vacation rentals or long-term rentals. Yep. And convert them into something much more pretty and much more Instagrammable and document the whole thing and, and make money off of it that way. And I wouldn't necessarily call it passive income because I'm going to be continually continu- continuing to just accumulate properties. Right. But that's kind of the plan is to have enough properties under my belt that we have income coming in that that's comparable to my paycheck. So that I now no longer need to work because I am already making the same amount by the house that I live in or the house that's down the road. And I just have to pay someone to go clean the bathroom when they leave or mop the floors or whatever. That's kind of the plan. And it's a very, you know, it's not set in stone yet in, in the sense that we don't know a business plan or anything. But that's kind of the the vision that I have is just an, a, a accumulation of a bunch of different types of properties and 
since we moved to Maine, it's a great area to have a bunch of vacation homes. Could call it vacation land. I mean, it is called that by some, like the license plates. Like our license plate now says vacation land. Yeah. Um, But I also mean that in the sense that within 30 minutes, we can get to, or at least within an hour, we can get to a, a ski resort, a lake. Portland, the city, and just like go escape into the woods. Like, what Anything. other type of vacation home do you need in New England? Oh, and the beach. Forgot about that one. Yep. So true. we can have we can hit every single type of is the vacation market out there yeah. within an hour radius of our house. Correct. And also the reason why this property I, I got sidetracked. You know, circle back to it. The reason why this property kind of just accidentally became Airbnb is because. As we were going through the closing process and I was doing some more research on this place, I kind of stumbled across the fact that this town has four wedding venues in this one town, but no hotels. So like... I see a problem. I see a problem that needs a solution and I could be that solution. And we have a three-bedroom house that we're, rent- we're going to be renting out. So I don't know why a wedding guest or a bridal party wouldn't want to stay here. And Once it's all pretty. AF farmhouse. Yeah. That's cute and cute AF. Cool. When it's done. I mean, this wallpaper is not cute AF if you can see that on this Instagram. This wallpaper is not cute. And the creosole leakage from the chimney is not cute. But I hid that from you. Yeah. With my foam thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's the plan. And that's kind of like the transition. I think like people now can see a lot more behind that thought for you what what would you say like before i ask like my questions at the end what would you say real quick for anyone out there that like they made a decision like you where they made like they've really changed things up and then they're like this isn't working or this isn't actually the thing like what would you tell them for advice or or to encourage them to like make the right choice for them because I know that that was a really fucking hard decision for you to make. And it wasn't it was. easy for you to tell me. wasn't easy for you to tell family and friends. And like, it's not an easy thing that happened. No. So like, and, and I'm proud of you for that. But like, what would you say to people in that situation they have to think about or advice? Um, geez, I don't even know. I mean, it's, it's so hard because it's such a personal decision. And it's such a personal exploration that I'm not even really sure what advice I could give besides um, at least for me, what took so long. And and I feel like this is probably true for any entrepreneur who has given up everything for starting their dream and following it. And then now you're trying to pursue it and you're just so busy and you're so wrapped up in it. I just kept not giving myself time to think about it. Mm. I kept being like, I don't know if this is right for me. I don't know if I can keep doing this. Like, I don't know. And then I would just say, you know what? I study for this exam. I don't have time. I don't have time to study for this right now. Shopping. I'm going to cry for 30 minutes, take a shower, wash it off. And then I got to study till 1am. Yep. And I did that so many times of just like having a mental breakdown and just being like, all right, I did it. Move on. Forget about it. I'll give myself 20 minutes to break down. Now I got to go back to it. Um, and I would just say, if, if you're really cycling back to that same thought and it's not just like a fleeting thought of like, Oh God, this is just such a terrible day. I'm just so tired. Like, why am I doing this? Why do I do this to myself? Like, Oh, or like, you're just 
pissed off at something that happened. That's different than just constant misery. And if you see that you're just constantly miserable, then give yourself the time to sit down and think and and just go through all of the emotions and actually decide like, is this right for you? Mm-hmm. And ignore any other pretense because like I kept like continuing to go on the path and continuing to do it because I had suffered previously because it took so much work to get into, to apply to vet school and it was so stressful and it was so much and it was so exhausting to get into vet school. I can't quit now. I can't quit now. Which is, which is strong to, to be able to do that anyway and not give up. Yeah. But you're saying that like, it doesn't mean that it's right. Yeah, but then like you rewind even further and you're like, the reason why I applied to vet school was because I struggled so hard and I worked so hard in undergrad. So because I already suffered, I needed to suffer more. And then because I already suffered, I needed to suffer more. And then at what point is that suffering just suffering and it's not actually achieving what you want? Yeah. And that's kind of the realization that I had to come to. And I mean, that may be different for others, but like, Maybe you are suffering that much and maybe that's a sign that it's not for you. And maybe you just need to take take a day off, take a week off and just kind of like figure out if that's your path or if it's not. Um, and I don't really know like what more advice I can give besides just listen listen to your own mental health and your own physical health. And if you know you realize that something just doesn't feel right, then it probably isn't. And yeah, starting a business is super, super stressful and you're going to have bad days and you're going to have bad months where it just feels like you're not getting anywhere or it just feels like you're running in circles or whatever it feels like. But if you still think about like what you want it to be and are happy with like that end result and you can see it and you're happy with like the vision and you still have it and it still makes you excited, then it's probably right for you. And you probably just need to get through this hump. But if you look at that vision and that future and you can't see it and it's getting blurry or it doesn't seem as exciting or you're like, I don't really know if I actually want to do that. And it's not because of like what you're going through now, but just like realizing that, you know what? No, that's not actually the path for me. Yeah then listen to that because it probably isn't. And I know that it's hard to disrupt your life again, but sometimes you just got to figure out for yourself and just ignore any other judgments that you think may come your way. Because honestly, I thought that I was going to get way more ridicule and way more judgment. Yeah, you were saying that For my choice. And for the vast majority, most people were super supportive. Like, okay. And like my friends were honestly like, yeah, I kind of thought you were going to at some point because you weren't happy. The only thing you liked was VBMA. So like I kind of was waiting on this to happen. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit. Like I didn't realize I was showing that much how miserable I am. Yeah. And you know, my family, like they were a little bit more disconnected, but they just kind of knew that like if I was willing to throw it all away, that there was a reason for that. And you know, most people thought that I was stronger for saying no than just blindly continuing. And I really didn't get much judgment. So don't be afraid of what other people think, which I feel like most people on here already have that viewpoint because if they're for guests, for guests, like if they want to, 
if you're trying to be an entrepreneur or a creative, like you don't really care. Like you're just going to enjoy your life. Well, I think that they do care, but I think like to, to, I think like to get the things to happen, you have to have some degree of not caring. Like they do, like they do because like the most prevalent thing, it's like some crazy percentage of, of creatives that have like imposter syndrome. Oh yeah. I think they're not good enough to do the thing they are. We all, all of us, I feel like have that to some degree. Yeah. But like, it's weird because like, I always think like, Oh, I'm not good enough to ask for this thing. You're not good enough to do this thing. But at the same time, I'm like, insanely confident that like even though i'm doing something weird to most people that like i'm like this is going to work out and this is going to do the vision that i have yeah so it's like they are but i know what you mean where like you to a certain degree to be creative at all like there has to be some part of you that doesn't give a fuck yeah there had to start a business at all there has has to be be some part of you that doesn't give a fuck yeah because neither of those neither of those are something that enough people like out in public when you're talking about it, like you're never going to not get flack. Like you just will. People are going to just say something about it Mm -hmm. somehow, somewhere. And what's, this is slightly or very off topic, but you brought up imposter syndrome and I thought it was kind of funny in the middle of all this. We imposter syndrome is just obviously rampant in vet school because it's just a bunch of very type A people who got into a very hard program that are just terrified that they shouldn't be there. So we had to take an imposter syndrome quiz. No shit. Really? Yeah. Yeah. To How like, much of an imposter do you feel like? Yeah. In yourself. And me as the one who dropped out of vet school, I had zero imposter syndrome. Like, the quiz was like, yeah, you're not an imposter. Like you, you feel like, you, you know feel what's like, up. you know, what's up. And it was just really, and all of my friends, like everyone else around me was like, they checked every single box on that sheet or whatever. And I think I checked like one and I don't know, like maybe that's has something to do with why I made the, you know, decision to, to drop out is that I was just very aware that even though I felt like I deserved to be there, I never felt like I didn't earn my way there. I didn't deserve it. I just didn't feel like it was actually right for me. Right. And I feel like a lot of people who have imposter syndrome maybe won't think that or maybe will be more afraid to leave because they're, they feel like they're giving up at someone else's spot and they don't deserve to even be there. So they don't deserve the right to get rid of it. Got it. Whereas I was just like, no, I fucking deserve to be here. I just don't want to. Right. And I'm sorry that I took someone's spot. Like that, that does suck. And I do feel bad for that because it is so hard to get into vet school that I do feel bad that I took someone's spot. But that never came into my decision as to whether or All not to stay yeah. because regardless, the seat was taken. Someone else did that to you when you were applying. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that was just a side tangent that I remembered when you said imposter syndrome. Well, that was a good, yeah, but that was a good thing to add though. Okay. Well, thanks. Great job, May. Thanks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like we, need, we do all this weird shit around the house and I feel like it's, it's a very fine line if we're podcasting together that like it doesn't come out all the way. <laughs> it's like super cool with sharing who I am with you people. Like, you know that I share a lot with you, but like there's some really, really weird shit that happens in this house because I have no attention span and Meg's fucking weird. And like we do weird Excuse shit. me. We do weird shit. So you know. 
I just like to have fun. <laughs> Drink wine. Well, yeah. Let's ask the f- questions at the end. Okay. So the, I don't remember the any of plug, them. Plug one won't make a ton of sense because we kind of have the same sites for stuff for now. Well, I mean, we can plug our, our ghost account of the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Airbnb. Okay, don't do it. Stop okay. it. Okay. All right. First one is what made it so that this is the thing that you're doing right now? Why is this the thing that you have to wake up and do every day right now? Why is this the thing that you wake up and do versus any other thing you could possibly do? I mean, that's kind of what the whole episode is, though. I mean, I went through the whole train of thought there. Essentially, it's something that seems like a business that I'm capable of running and seems like it would give me something that I would enjoy. I don't, I mean, the whole episode was that question, so. Fair. I always ask it pointed in case something changes up. Sometimes it does. No. Uh, flip side, what what along the way is the worst decision that you've made through this process? Uh, well, I mean, probably, the, I mean, truly really no worst decision, but I mean, I guess I would say the whole renovation and only giving ourselves three weeks to do it. That was pretty miserable. <laughs> in terms of that experience. In terms that of that experience, that was the worst decision. That's fair. But I mean, I guess, like I said, I, I never really stopped to to let myself think and, and process the emotions that I was having yep. and just kept saying like, well, this is vet school. This is how it is. I just got to keep going and just kept going and just kept going and just kept going. Um, I don't think either of us processed like enough emotion all for like an entire year. Yeah. And it was like bad for both of us. It, yeah, it was. Yeah. Like ever, like constantly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like constantly. You were in school nonstop. I was working and side hustling nonstop. And mm-hmm. then like when I had time to see you and then I'm traveling yeah. for three days or whatever and then working and, and just like always on the go and always not, there was no time when we were together for those long weekends, there was no time to like be pissed about, be, feel shitty about things or like feel, cause we were like, we just need to spend this time spend together time. and like. Yeah. Embrace this time that is just mm-hmm. like crazy like that. So I, I understand that. But I will say advice for long distance relationships. If need be, still have your fights over the phone. Like don't keep it bottled up. Like just continue to process those emotions. And just because you only have an hour a day, waste that hour having an argument. Mm-hmm. Just continue to be a couple. Like as shitty as that hour is going to be, it'll be worth it in the end because you both need to say the things. Yep. Just as a long distance relationship advice column. It's legit. I mean, that's the thing that people are doing. Yeah. You know, flip side (laughs) to it. What's uh, the best decision you've made along the way? I mean, I guess deciding to drop out. I mean, I, I can't even express the, I mean, telling you was a huge weight on the shoulders of like trying to get through that conversation. That was an awful that felt terrible to get through that conversation and not because you made that conversation bad, but because I felt so much pressure to have that conversation. And your opinion was the only opinion that I really cared about. I didn't really give a shit what anyone else thought. Yeah. But then once I started telling, like once the decision was made and like, I truly actually like came to terms with it. Like I, I can't even describe how good it felt. Like, it just felt like the world's like heaviest weight was lifted off my chest. I felt like a hundred pounds lighter and I just, I felt like I smiled for like a straight week because I just felt 
good. Yeah. Everything about me just felt great by just making the decision. As hard of a decision as it was, I just felt great making it. And then every single person I told after you, it just got better and better and better because I was just like, I don't even care if you're going to judge me for this because like, I'm so happy right now. There's nothing that you can say that's going to make this bad. You know, it just, I just felt so good when I made that decision that that just like reiterated to me that like, this is the right thing for me to do. Yeah. Cool. What would be a resource that you'd recommend to the audience? Could be a book, a YouTube series, a video, a podcast, like anything, website, any resource that you'd recommend could be in any things you talked on too. I don't really know for like making the jump and making the decision. I don't really have any resources for that. Um, but for like real estate, um, if you are thinking about doing, you know, long-term rentals, oh, what is that book called? I think it's like, check, 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 one, two, check three, one, four. Check, one, two. Damn. Sorry, guys. This has been a brutal tech night. Yeah. Resource? Oh, recommend? Um, I should have looked in the box while you were doing that. Um, what is that book called? The Rental Property? Oh, by Brandon Turner? Yeah. It's like very simple. It's like... Guide to Rental Property Management or something like that. It's very simple. People out there, I will put it put in, in the, the show notes. notes. Yeah. And it was the best. If you want to own a rental property, it is the best book that we've ever read about owning a rental property. I would say the most influential on like yeah. creating systems and like managing it right. And like the verbiage and talk track is very simple. And it's a very simple guide to get very good at that quickly. And I recommend it for anyone that wants to do sh- like rentals of any type, really. And it's filled with a bunch of like forms that you can just fill out um, and like alter for your state's state laws. But everything's kind of there for you, like the rules and regulations and like a bunch of different things that like I never thought of that you would need. Yeah. Um, but it provides it for you and you just kind of tweak it a little bit to make it, you know, accommodate your laws for your state. And it's just, it was super helpful. And that's kind of what I spent most of my summer doing. Most yeah. of quarantine was just going through that book and following it like a guide. Cause that's what it is. And I think we're going to have, you know, a pretty good setup once we get going. Yeah. Um, beyond that, um, just for mentality sake, I feel like I brought this one up last time, but I think it's a, a classic rich dad, poor dad. Um, that was, that was big too. I feel like that was like a basic, we, we listened to that as an audiobook on the way down to Tennessee drive. Yeah. And I feel like that didn't do anything in specifics, but it was just like affirming a way of the thinking fundamentals in a way of thinking differently. Yeah. We were, we were both listened to it. And we were like, I feel that mm-hmm. like, I don't know how else to explain it. And that's been recommended a bunch on the show. And I feel like that's like such a staple book. It to is. Read. You, yeah. you, you have to read that book. It doesn't matter who you are, even what you're trying to do at all. I feel like it's a great book to read. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Both of those are good. I think that's kind of it. Last one would be, how do people keep up with you and where do they go? Social, whatever. Where do people keep up with you? So, um, I guess if you want to follow along with this house project that we are embarking on, um, cause it's, it's going to be a pretty massive undertaking. Um, yep. where is that located? It's on the waking up from work podcast 
yeah, YouTube Siri. Right, we need your help actually, because if we hit a hundred subscribers, then I can actually name the URL for the YouTube channel. So I'll be cool enough that I can just tell you an easy URL to go to. But right now I'm not cool enough. So if you look up waking up from work podcast on YouTube, or you go to the show notes down below, there's a link directly to it and subscribe. That would be dope. But that channel, like for this podcast, is going to have a series called the Wake Up Properties, Properties series. Yep. That will have a lot of work that Meg's doing, a lot of things that I'm doing that that's probably doing. not helpful. And um, it's going to have everything on it, like business advice, uh, financial, business, uh, business planning, emotional mindset you know, obviously renovation and things that we're working on, everything that's happening at this property, we're going to go into depth on like a monthly basis or biweekly basis or something and just like update what is happening here because there's so much to share and we just can't share all of it on the podcast. We don't want to bog the podcast down with just this one piece of content so that we're coming out with just that series so that that way you can see what Meg is doing, what she's up to. And what we're doing together in a more in-depth way than we've ever been able to show on the podcast, basically. Yeah. And then beyond that, um, there's absolutely nothing posted on it yet. But one profile picture. There's a profile picture. Pretty dope one. Pretty good one. Zachary James Photography. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But once this place is, you know, looking a little bit better, um, we're going to get that uh, Instagram account kind of up and running and, and that's where we're going to have all of the finished product looks where is it on there away in maine yep all one word at away in, in maine, maine on instagram like she said there's nothing on it but that is going to be meg's short-term rental agency i guess Platform. for Maine. yeah, yeah. it's going to give access to what she's up to and making these short-term rentals in vacation land here in maine yeah, and I don't do anything on my personal account, so don't bother. <laughs> You're going to be very disappointed. It's really sad. It's very sad. I think the last thing You've I posted like was like three years ago. Trees as your Facebook banner since like 1973. Since banners came out. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to change it, actually. It's probably like a banner. It's like probably like a straight up banner ad that you just leave up there or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to have some dinner? Yeah, I'm pretty hungry. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening to episode 82 of the Waking Up From Work podcast and letting learning a little bit more about what Meg is up to and where she's been at and hanging with us through all these tech issues. I'm very sorry about that. I, I know what went wrong and uh, I can fix that for next time. We won't be that way again. But thank you guys for listening to the Waking Up From Work podcast. Thank you, wife, for being on this podcast a second time and dealing with me actually doing this podcast every single week because it's just mm-hmm. absurd. It is. And uh, you're welcome. Go husband. do something. Go pivot. If you didn't want to or something like that, and you were holding yourself back or you were really afraid what people were going to think about if you change it up, go try it out. People won't hate you as much as you think, and it's going to make you way happier. So just go do that thing. Or if you're really happy doing your thing, then keep fucking doing that. Thank you, guys. Peace. Bye.